Hey everybody, Michael Thurman back here with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping. You may notice that my voice sounds a little different. I do have a new microphone set up. Thank you again for all the feedback. Uh, before I wasn't really using a great microphone, I now have a professional grade microphone to record these episodes with. So uh, this intro is recorded with the new episode, though the interviews that take place in the episodes coming out this week will still be from uh, my previous setup. So I will sound a little different once we get into the here. Uh, but in the episode starting next week, they will all be recorded with this new microphone. So it should have some better sound quality for all of you listeners. Um, before we get started today and jump into the five cost card breakdown, uh, I just wanted to take to highlight something that's going on in the official Marvel Snap Discord. Uh, this was announced earlier today, June 13th. The uh, Discord event going called Atlantis Beach Club. So that of the event currently going on in the game but essentially in the discord there's kind of some theory crafting around what is the best deck to go with a new card wave we, we highlighted wave in one of our last episodes last week uh, but there's kind of a little competition you can theory craft and kind of share what you think is the ideal deck to play wave in and talk about the strategy you would play with whether you have her as a card or not or whether you even have all the cards you theory craft with uh, you can use marvelsnap.io to create a deck, and then you can upload that into the Discord. And there will be a reward for the winner, kind of a special role, a little trophy next to your name in the Discord. So I just wanted to highlight that, I think, as a fun thing to participate in. So if you're interested in doing that, make sure to join the official Marvel Snap Discord. And then, as always, I uh, just want to shout out about the Twitter, uh, our Twitter for the podcast, at Marvel, or sorry, at Can't underscore stop underscore snap uh if you have any content creators out there that you'd love to hear on the show uh whether big or small medium doesn't matter to me please let me know there on the twitter i i'm looking for more people for future episodes we've got a couple other people in the pipeline but if there's somebody you're dying to hear and you'd love to hear participate on the podcast about a variety of different topics please let me know and i'd love to coordinate to get them on the show without further ado let's jump into today's episode Hey, listeners, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping. We are continuing our series of breaking down all the cards that are currently available in the beta build of Marvel Snap. Uh, today's episode, we will be breaking down the five cost cards. And I am once again joined by a wonderful co-host, a, a content creator. This is Jeff Hoagland. He's been streaming the game since the beta launched. And um, I'm very grateful to have him on the show. Jeff, thanks for joining. Hey, thanks everyone, Michael. Excited to be here. Yeah, no, it's great. I've been catching some of your streams and I've caught some of your YouTube content as you've broken down some things about the, uh, the economy in the game and some of your thoughts and opinions. So, uh, you know, great to have you here. And, and before we launch into the card breakdown, I would just love to give you a minute just to kind of share with the listeners your overall impressions of the games, maybe some pros and cons, just where your feeling is at right now and, and what are you hoping for the future? I think the core game system that Marvel Snap has implemented is really fantastic. It's fast and punchy in a way I think no other card game has really succeeded in being before while still having a good bit of strategic depth. And as someone who's uh, an adult with a busy schedule and many small children, the fact that the games have kind of this upper time limit on how long they could be, I think is something that's super appealing to both myself and a lot of other adult gamers. No, I couldn't agree more. And 
and I would love to just give you a second. I know that you've uh, you've already put out some of your own content talking about the economy of the game. Maybe just a high level kind of your concerns about the game economy, and um, you know, obviously, we'll we'll tell people to go check out your videos. But kind of, what are your thoughts there right now? I think the current card acquisition model leaves a little bit to be desired. I think one of the big draws that a lot of card game players have to these types of games is being able to kind of experiment and brew and build decks and work on their own ideas. And the current card acquisition just kind of hinders that and that there's no way to work towards specific cards. Like, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of really sweet designs tonight, but if that card that you want to play with isn't in a specific card pool that you're currently pulling cards from, there's no way in your power currently to say oh i'm going to work towards getting card x that i really want to brew with yeah no 100 and obviously i've seen you i've seen lots of other people in the community give that feedback to second dinner and we will see obviously how that plays out in the future but um let's jump in here so uh you know as listeners remember you know we've been kind of following the same format uh, i will read out the cards we will review the cost the power level of each card and the ability and we'll just kind of have some conversation around our, our thoughts our opinions uh, what cards we think maybe are better than others, et cetera. And, and we will go through the five cost cards tonight. So starting off right here, uh, you know, we've had one for each uh, cost level. There is always one card that doesn't have an ability. And, and we start off with it today. Abomination is a five cost, uh, eight power card, and he has no ability. So I, I guess with this one, not a ton to talk here, Jeff, but I guess I know there are some cards and locations that buff, uh, you know, cards with no abilities do you think there's enough there for any kind of archetype right now or not so much unless there's some kind of like payoff that you can play inside of your actual deck that says okay cards with no abilities get this bonus um outside of when that one location is like the hot zone i think these kind of vanilla cards just aren't going to be playable generically speaking yeah no 100 percent um you know abomination everybody starts out with them when they start out the demo of the game so Obviously, people play with them basically until they can replace them. So continuing on here, uh, next up we have Arrow. Arrow is a five cost, six power card, and her ability reads, on reveal, move all enemy cards played this turn to this location. Is this a card you've unlocked or played with yet? Uh, I actually had this get randomly generated in a game that I was playing earlier today. And it's it's a neat design, uh, but it really depends on being able to predict like what your opponent is going to be able to do. And one of the things that it feels like this card will kind of struggle with is it can pull like their big play to a location, but you're basically just kind of one for oneing your big play for their big play because this card costs so many resources. Yeah, and it doesn't have that high of a power level, right? We'll see some other cards that do have a higher power level. So, yeah, it really kind of depends on you knowing what your, your opponent's going for and if you can really interrupt their strategy. So, uh, up next, we have Black Bolt. Black Bolt is a five-cost, seven-power card. His ability reads, on reveal, your opponent must discard the lowest-cost card in their hand. Um. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this one. You know, we've got some, uh, we've got a couple cards that we've seen in the lower tiers that, you know, make your opponent discard or discard from their deck, etc. This one's the lowest cost card, uh, which obviously with Black Bolt being a five cost, can't really play him too late in the game. Now, some people obviously save some pretty good cards to the end that may be lower cost, but obviously this isn't going to get rid of anybody's six draw, right? So I don't know. Uh, what do you think about strategy with Black Bolt? 
Um, so the thing that's neat about this card that jumps out in my mind is if you've been playing or watching the beta, you know that the kind of Nova combo deck is uh, kind of prevalent everywhere. And it's the mm -hmm. best deck in that first pool of cards. And this jumps out at me as something that could potentially offer counterplay to that because the better Nova players have kind of taken to, okay, they're waiting to pull the trigger on that until turns, you know, six a lot of the time. And this could be a card that could punish them for doing so. Yeah, kind of throw off what they've been building up to the whole game. Yeah, I could definitely see that. That's a great point. The other thing uh, is its actual rate just like isn't that bad, right? Like the Abomination was the vanilla five for eight power. This is five for seven. So even just based on that metric, it seems close to, to reasonable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely higher than, than several of these cards. So. Up next, we have Captain Marvel. She is a five cost, six power card, and her ability reads, after the final turn, move to a location that wins you the game if possible. Uh, I find this one fascinating, right? Uh, just, it, it seems very interesting. I haven't seen a ton of people unlock Captain Marvel. She's in one of the later pools of cards. So we're just not quite there to seeing her in a ton of play yet. But uh, I just find this interesting of like, how will this actually affect the turn of games at the end of, of a round? Yeah, I mean, the end game end turns of snap have so many permutations of what you have to go through to figure out, well, if they play this here and I do this here, this, the back and forth. And this card just adds a whole other layer to it where instead of playing against two of their spots, you're basically playing against all three of them with the way this card can move itself around. Yeah. Because you could leave open an you know, extra spot at each kind of spot on the board to let Captain Marvel do her thing at the end. And yeah, the opponent really has to go for all three essentially. Right. You know, it's Wow. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out uh, later on. Uh, up next, we have Dr. Octopus. Dr. Octopus is, again, a five-cost card with 10 power, highest one we've seen so far. Uh, his ability reads, on reveal, pull four random cards from your opponent's hand to their side of this location. I mean, uh, this, yeah. this card ahead. jumps out at me again as... Um... People, I talked to a couple people that played the friends and family beta before this kind of closed beta that we're in now. And they said the Nova deck wasn't omnipresent there. And this jumps out to me as another card like, oh, this could disrupt those big late turns that they have, right? Like you pull a bunch of random things out of their hand and kind of gunk them up and get them stuck on the right side or a specific yeah. spot on the board. Yeah, can really throw off any kind of deck that uh, is playing, playing, you know, multiple two, three, one cost cards, et cetera, kind of on the last couple of turns, right? Yep. Um, can really kind of throw off any cards they've been holding on to during the game. So, yeah, definitely a counter. I think that, um, you know, one of the things, you, you, you know, we've talked about this basically in every episode uh, we've had thus far, this Nova uh, Carnage combo, right? And, and I think uh, it's so pre prevalent because, you know, we really haven't got some of the best counter cards yet. So, yep. Uh, up next, we have Gamora. Uh, Gamora is something you unlock relatively early with kind of the intro season pass. Gamora is a five cost, six power card, and her ability reads on reveal if your opponent played a, a card here this turn, plus four power. So, as the listeners know, we bring this up every episode. You know, all the Guardians of the Galaxy cards essentially have a similar ability, just with different costs, different power, different buffs. Uh, what's your opinion on this, Jeff? I mean, a lot of people have been saying, yeah, you know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy are okay, but I'd much rather play a Rocket or a Star Lord for the lower cost. Uh, what do you think? Is Gamora good, bad, middling? I, I actually really don't like this cycle at all. 
Um, I think while obviously there's some neat head games where if you predict they can like create that good dopamine, like, ah, I got him. I was right. But you look at just kind of the rate that you're getting, even when this card pays off, like you're going up to 10 power. And it feels like there's other cards in this five cost slot that can provide a similar rate, but provide it more consistently or more specifically within your control if you meet certain conditions. Yeah, hundred percent. We will talk about one that I, I agree. I think is much more consistent here in just a, in a couple of cards, but yep. yeah, I, I think it's kind of a middling, middling effect, uh, especially at that high cost. So uh, up next, we have Hobgoblin. Uh, Hobgoblin is a fun card. Hobgoblin is a five cost minus eight power. So we've seen a couple minus powers in previous uh, tiers, definitely the highest. Uh, Hobgoblin's ability is on reveal, your, your opponent gains control of this. Uh, this, is this one you've seen unlocked or have you played with this yet? Yeah, I've had this one randomly generated a couple of times after getting to play with it. It's one of the cards I'm most looking forward to unlocking. I think this design is really sweet. And one of the things that happens a lot in games of Snap is, you know, you'll hold up a space with only two or three cards in it because you don't want to let your opponent know what your total power is going to be there for as long as possible. And this card really punishes uh, doing that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I love, one of the things I like best about the game design is just, uh, like you say, it's so simple, but there's just so much you can do to kind of uh, mess with the board, essentially, your side and the opponent's side, whether that's bluffing, whether that's uh, really, you know, throwing off their side with rocks, with hobgoblin, there's so much you can do to kind of have to create on the fly uh, adjustments for your opponent, which is awesome. Yep. Up next is the card I was referencing a second ago. Uh, Iron Man, uh, another card you unlock kind of at the beginning of the game. Iron Man is a five cost, zero power card, and his ability reads, ongoing, your total power is doubled at this location. Um, you know, when I've, when I've seen this played, and, you know, everybody's obviously played it because you kind of start the game with it. Uh, very consistently, I, you know, you can get 10 or higher, right, uh, just depending on what cards you play. So, Iron Man can be very consistent. And then, you know, if you play something that buffs cards like uh, Ironheart, et cetera, uh, you know, that gets doubled with Iron Man if any of your cards get buffed. So I think Iron Man's a, a pretty solid card, but, uh, but I'm not sure if you would agree, disagree, if you think it'll be kind of a uh, long lasting uh, a place in the meta or just kind of temporary here at the beginning. No, I think it definitely seems like a, a very reasonable card. You you hit the nail on the head where this card, uh, it, usually it's adding a minimum of 10 power in spots where it ends up at, but it can even be much larger than that if you're comboing it with other things or God forbid the double ongoing effects location flips up. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then you're doubling, doubling. So uh, yeah, no, uh, I think Iron Man uh, will continue to see play and uh, it is a great card for for now. Uh, up next, we have Jessica Jones. She is a five cost, eight power card, and her ability reads, on reveal, if you don't play a card here next turn, plus two power. So um, this was yeah, actually so the card that I was thinking about when we mentioned Gamora and having more control over getting uh, 10 power for five. And she creates kind of this neat little head game where your opponents go, oh, they're only going to be plus two power in this spot. I can get them. And then you could even double down after and like, okay, I'm going to negate her ability, but I'm going to drop a six drop here or something that's more than plus two and beat them because they thought we were only going to be plus two in this spot. Yeah, a hundred percent. Definitely. It's in your control. The other one, Gamora, same power, you know, if she gets her buff, but it's, it's really, it's a guessing game, right? Here it is. You have control, whether you want the, you know, the two power or not but you're also just getting the higher base power. So 
uh, overall, a much more solid card than Gamora, I would say. Yep. Okay, up next we have Claw. Claw is a five-cost, four-power card, and his ability is ongoing. Uh, plus five power at the location to the right. Um, yeah, I, I think this is an interesting, an interesting design. There's a couple of cards that obviously kind of can buff different locations based on where you're placed. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if there's anything super special about Claw. I mean, obviously, you're kind of getting uh, nine power spread across, across two locations, which isn't, isn't anything to you know, shy away from. Uh, but what are your impressions of Claw? Yeah, I agree with you. On rate, the nine for five is a good good ratio. You know, a lot of these five cost cards are giving between that like seven and ten markers. So he's towards the higher end of that. But more specifically, I think being able to put power into a location that you've otherwise completed, filling with four cards, gives a lot of value to kind of juke your opponent, right? Like they think this spot is kind of locked in at this current number. So they kind of go, okay, this is the metric I have to beat. And then claw can pop up once you go way over the top of what they thought they were competing with. Yeah, a hundred percent. Uh yeah, there there are a couple cards like this where you can kind of uh you've filled up your location, your opponent thinks, okay, this is the math, they've got all their strategy, and then you can you can kind of throw them off at the last second because maybe they've already locked up the location as well. Um up next is a card that I think is another interesting counter uh to obviously the Nova Carnage uh ability uh, or, or strategy I should say, but also could throw off other strategies as well. So leech is a five cost, three power card. The ability reads on reveal, remove the abilities from all cards in your opponent's hand. I think this is very powerful. Yeah, this definitely looks like a, a metagame card to me where like if you're expecting most of your opponents to be doing something that this uh, has play against, it's worth its slot. However, you know, if other people are playing, they're just kind of good on rate cards with larger numbers, this card is going to have a much more middling effect. It's explicitly kind of bad against the uh, American Chavez. So if that card is popular, you know, people end up drawing that on turn six. So then they'll still guarantee to have a good play on six, even if you leech them on five. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. You, there, there is some counter back to this card as well. Like you're saying. Okay. Well up next we have magic. Uh, magic is a five cost three power card. So save stat line ability reads on reveal, change this location to limbo and limbo. Correct me if I'm wrong, adds a seventh turn to the normally six turn game. Yes, I love this card. It's so sweet. Just like fundamentally changing the rules of a game are always some of the sweetest cards to be playing with. And not only does this let you add an extra turn, but it uh, neutralizes a current location on the board. So you know, if there's one that's kind of detrimental to cards that you've played out in a particular spot, you can use this to remove that detriment. And more specifically, if magic is in your deck, you've probably built it in a way to leverage an extra turn of the game more efficiently than a lot of other decks would be able to. A hundred percent. Now, I guess, what would your be your opinion? Would you would you think this is a better card most of the time to play on turn five, or, or better to wait and throw it in in turn six? Uh, and really catch them off guard right at the end. I think it depends on how far ahead or behind you are and how uh, much further you think you can get with that extra turn. It also depends on what the texture of your hand looks like, right? So one of the big powers to adding a seventh turn of the game is that you get to play two six cost cards out and a lot of decks don't have two six cost cards. So if you play this out on five, you could be setting up your turns six and seven. So you get not one big play, but two before the game ends. 
Yeah, which could have a huge impact. Uh, up next here, we have Professor X. Professor X is a five cost, three power card. Seems to be the common trend of stat lines here. Uh, his ability reads ongoing, lock down this location. And in parentheses, cards can't be added, removed, or destroyed. So really, uh, you know, there are some cards in lower tiers that will maybe, you know, block cards from being moved or, or from being uh, destroyed. But this kind of really just locks down the location, right? That, that's the, the text here, lock down this location. So really kind of locked in, um, nothing can really change from that point on. So if you're winning and you're able to play Professor X down, you know, uh, you most likely have that location locked in for the win, unless of course, some of the other cards that we've already talked about where you could add from a side location, uh, additional power. Yep. And this honestly seems like a card that would be good with those on your side where, you know, you could play this out on turn five, lock down a location and be close. And then you could add like a claw as a follow-up or Mr. Fantastic or something to add a little bit more to put you ahead in a spot where your opponent's likely not going to be able to catch up. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting card, very good defensive card uh, to, uh, you know, uh, limit your, your opponent's options. Well, up next is the highest power card, I believe, of the five drops. Uh, Red Skull is a five power, uh, 14, or sorry, I said that wrong. Five cost, 14 power card, and his ability reads ongoing. Enemy cards at this location have plus two power. So doing the math there, if your opponent has maxed out cards here uh, to have four cards at that location, you're getting eight. Um, I have my thoughts about this. What, what are your thoughts about Red Skull? Uh, just correction, you're getting six because they'll be minus eight total if they're if they're full. But I think there's so many uh, locations where having one large unit is beneficial. You know, there's the space throne. There's all the various locations that give minus power to everything at them where this card can just kind of come down and dominate that, that type of spot all on its own. That's even before you get into synergies like playing, say, your own Enchantress on turn six as a follow-up to just get rid of Red Skull's typical drawback. Yeah, definitely can fake out your opponent, them thinking okay, well, they've just buffed me. I've won this spot. And then they don't play to it the last turn. And, and you jump ahead by, you know, minusing off that extra buff from them with the last second. Yeah, I think that, that sounds like a really fun strategy. Uh, you know, I've noticed this on all the episodes we've been recording and releasing. Uh, you know, as we just talk about the things, I'm just like, man, I just like want to see a clip of somebody doing that right now. You know, just I, I want to see these things play out as soon as possible. So uh, up next, we have Rescue. Rescue, she is a five-cost, five-power card. Her ability reads, on reveal, if you play a card here next turn, plus five power. So we've seen similar cards to this. Obviously, this one's more in your favor of having control. You know, and we talked about uh, Jessica Jones, which is uh, slightly similar, but kind of the opposite. Uh, what are your thoughts here, kind of this versus some of the other cards we've talked about? Um, this one's interesting, right? Because I, I like your comparison to Jessica Jones, but the rate, if you don't meet the condition on this one, is much lower, right? Instead of just being an 8 instead of 10, you're a 5 instead of 10. So this card makes you kind of make a pretty big commitment to a location if you really want to get the payoff for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think this one will see as, as much play as, as other cards that have similar effects just because... Yeah, I mean, turn 5, some of your locations are going to be pretty filled up, and... It's really going to let your opponent know, okay, why would they give up five power? Because it's so much. And it kind of gives your your opponent uh, knowledge and confidence that you're going to play into this more than like with Jessica Jones. So 
we'll see. We'll see uh, if, if people tie this into a, into a strategy later on. Up next, we have Sarah. Uh, Sarah is a five cost, five power card. And the ability reads, ongoing, cards in your hand cost one less, minimum of one cost. Uh, so you can't zero these out. Um, I think this is very powerful, especially for cards where you're wanting to get multiple low-cost cards played in on turn six. Yeah, so the, the thing to figure out with this card is how are you most abusing this? So quick math says you could play three three drops on turn six. You could play a six and a two. You could play two threes and two twos. So the question is, how often are you going to be in scenarios where you can have one of those combinations of costs in your hand and make it beneficial for you? This is another card that could be a good inclusion with uh, magic specifically because magic would give you multiple turns to leverage this effect. Like you play this card out on five and then on turn six, magic costs four. So you could play magic plus a three drop and then get a second turn with this ongoing discounted effect in your hand on turn seven. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, that will be a fun, a fun thing to see play out because, um, yeah, it just really keeps your opponent guessing to the last second there. So, yeah, an interesting card for sure. So um, we, we will see how that, how that plays out and what the consistency of strategies like that really turns out to be. So, well, up next we have Taskmaster. Uh, Taskmaster is a five cost, zero power card. The ability reads, on reveal, set this card's power equal to the power of the last card you played. Uh, I think this is, uh, you know, very, uh, very good card, in my opinion. I think if you're playing uh, any kind of deck where maybe you can be buffing a card in your hand or in your deck, etc., and then play it down, right? Um, maybe turn four, you get a really uh, uh, heavy card played down, and then being able to play this and just kind of duplicate that power a second time at five costs, I think is very unique. Yeah. And you can even do less finagling than that. You know, you just make this your turn six play after you play out a red skull and then suddenly you had a five cost 14 power thing, which is way above rate than what we typically have in the game currently. Yeah. With, with really no downside because you don't pull the ability over from the card. So yep. uh, you're just going for the pure stats here. So, you know, even with red skulls downside, quote unquote, you know, kind of being able to get 28 power on your side of the board is nothing to laugh at. So, um, okay, up here next, we have Vision. Vision is a five cost, seven power card. His ability reads, you can move this each turn. Um, you know, there's lots of cards in the lower cost levels that play in kind of into this move archetype. I don't think we've, I, I've seen people start to, you know, piece together move decks. Uh, nobody seems to have all the pieces yet, right? Uh, but I definitely think, um, you know, this will uh, have some potential in, into that move archetype. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the big question will be with Vision is we talked about um, the, I'm blanking on her name, the five cost that moves herself to a spot if she can win the game for you earlier. Uh, uh, Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yes, that's yep. the one. Um, I, I think how much better is the one point of power on this going to be compared to Captain Marvel automatically moving herself if it wins versus you needing to predict on the last turn, hey, Vision going here wins me the game. I think these two cards kind of occupy a similar space, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of them ends up being just better than the other in most situations. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think it'll, it'll you know, we have cards that can kind of help move other cards around. Um but obviously, if there's 
consistent cards where if you move to a location, right, the card gets buffed, meaning a card is giving that buff to another card like Vision. I think that'd be interesting to be able to boof, uh, to buff uh, Vision, you know, uh, kind of there also while moving. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I would weigh, I guess, on the side based on what you're saying, uh, uh, is Captain Marvel probably being better than Vision? That's what uh, my gut says, too. Yeah, but uh, but like you say, we'll, we'll kind of see how this plays out. And and uh, I'm guessing as of right now, Vision will probably fall more on the wayside. So up next is White Tiger. Uh, White Tiger is a five cost one power card. So definitely one of the lower ones we've seen. Uh, but her ability reads on reveal add a seven power Tiger to another location. Um, so, you know, I've seen this played a lot. Obviously, if there's a location... Uh, that doubles the on reveal effects. There's that, but with like Odin, which is a card you obviously get early on in the game, uh, being able to kind of add two seven power tigers to the board uh, for the cost of this five drop uh, is a pretty good stat line. Um, you know, like we've talked about with uh, Red Skull and others, you know, kind of getting that 14, that 14 stat line. Obviously, if you can get it, you know, it depends on you pulling the right cards and playing them. But uh, I'd say White Tiger is a decent card. Um, you know, her herself only being kind of a, a one power. So looking at that five, eight uh, overall, and that spread across two locations, yep. but really kind of one power isn't so great kind of on one location and almost all the power being on the other location. Well, not only is it eight power across two locations, but two bodies is relevant in a lot of spots too, right? You know, there's various cards like Captain America or Ant-Man that reward you for filling a location up and White Tiger helps you do that in multiple spots. In addition to the... Uh, location that gives you double on reveal effects. There's also a location we mentioned earlier that gives uh, cards with no abilities plus three attack, and the tiger notably does not have any abilities. So there's actually two in the pool currently that this card has strong synergy with. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So I, I think an interesting card for sure. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, I still think she's seeing a lot of uh, a lot of play as of right now, but uh, time will tell if if she will if she will last. So. Well, that is all of the five cost cards. So definitely one of the smaller pools. I believe uh, from what I've seen that the two and the three pools are the largest. Uh, and then the four and the five are, are the smallest. Uh, and then one and six kind of in the middle. So that's kind of the distribution as of right now. But uh, before we close off here, Jeff, you know, I just want to give you a minute to, uh, we've talked about a lot of cards here, uh, the strategies they could play into, et cetera, what we know now, what we could know in the future. But uh, tell, tell the listeners, what's your favorite card? And that could be because of strategy, could be because of the art, you like the character in Marvel Universe, etc. What would you say out of all the five cross cards is your favorite and why? I think definitely magic, because she kind of fundamentally changes the way the game is played more than any of the other cards here. And being able to change the rules of the game and then build your deck to take advantage of that rules change better than anyone else is just super powerful. And to highlight for those that don't recall, Magic's the five cost, three power card that changes her on reveal location to Limbo, giving you a seventh turn of the game. Yeah, I I think that is a great point. I mean such a unique, a unique strategy to build around, right? Because every other deck in the game is essentially you're building to six turns, right? Uh, obviously Limbo, you know, shows up randomly. And so then you adapt, but Magic gives you the opportunity to try to build what is the best seven turn deck, which is very unique. So uh, yeah, I, I think Magic will be a very interesting card to see, see in play here. So, well, Jeff, Really appreciate you being on the show here. Really appreciate you kind of giving your insights to these cards. 
you know, I, I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, give you the chance and ask you to just tell the listeners where can they find you online? What's the best way to follow and consume your content that you are putting out about this game and, and several other games? Yeah, for people that aren't familiar with me, I've been doing content full-time for the better part of four years. I've been playing card games, Magic the Gathering, and others for, you know, a couple of decades now, playing in lots of tournaments and stuff like that. You can just find me everywhere, just at Jeff Hoagland, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. I also have a completely Marvel Snap dedicated YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash Hoaglandia Snap, where I've been putting up deck highlights and theory crafting breakdowns and other things like my talk about the economy that you mentioned earlier, and that channel will be all snap all the time awesome yeah well listeners make sure to go to subscribe uh follow jeff he's putting out tons of great content you're not going to want to miss as you follow the game and and you want to understand the meta and and understand kind of the future news around the game so jeff just want to say one last time thank you for being on the show we hope you can be on here again at some point in the future uh to talk about other things later on but thank you for being here and and we hope you have a good rest of your night yeah thanks for having me Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, produced, recorded, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening.